Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. Uh, before we get started with the show, I wanted to quickly remind people about our new anthology of speculative fiction about the future of work called Working Futures. Uh, we talked with some of the authors recently on the podcast, but I wanted to remind listeners in case they hadn't yet checked out the book. Uh, we've got 14 amazing stories in the collection. They're just really great, and we've been getting some great reviews on them with people saying that the stories have really made them think uh, about different things and about what the future might be like. Um, it's we're we're really really happy and and proud of of the stories in the book, uh, and we think that you'll really really enjoy them. Uh, so please please check it out. Uh, you can find it by going to Amazon and searching for Working Futures, or you can go to uh, our website about it, which is Working Futures, which is uh, Working Future. Uh, and dot .es at the end. Uh, so if you were to spell working futures and then move a period two spots uh, to the left, uh, <laughs> you'll get to the web page uh, and check it out or just find it on Amazon. It's easy enough. Uh, and uh, we know that you'll enjoy it. So please, please check it out. Thanks. The world is increasingly technological. So we have better get methodical. Bring in precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of the modern monocle. Stopping the Police for pulling the wall on us, painting and taking on all the plates and paint and trolls. Document the ways that they aim to take control, scrutinizing through their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To so grab a shovel and dig up the tech. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To so grab a shovel and dig up the tech. Uh, we haven't done this. Uh sort of self-promotion in a little bit. But uh, if you like the podcast, please share it with your friends. Uh, I keep hearing from people who say they didn't even realize we had a podcast. So uh, clearly we're doing something wrong on the uh, self-promotion front. Uh, and every other podcast that I listen to tells people to rate, review, and subscribe, and blah, 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 whatever, uh, to the podcast. And uh, we, we tend not to <laughs> say that. So uh, if you... Uh, like this podcast, uh, rate or review or whatever it is that you can do to help promote it. Um, you can just tell people about it. That's cool with us. Uh, we would certainly appreciate that. Uh, and if you really, really like it, which hopefully you do, uh, subscribe to our Patreon feed. Uh, we have never had a single ad in the show. We've been doing it for many years. Uh, so Patreon is really the only thing that supports the podcast. Um, and also it, it helps support TechDirt in general. So uh, we always appreciate that as well. Um, anyway, with that out of the way, for many years on TechDirt, we've uh, talked about the sort of weird grandstanding that politicians had about the website Backpage, uh, which was a spinoff uh, of various alt-weekly newspapers. Uh, and the, the grandstanding actually goes back beyond that uh, when various officials, mainly uh, state attorneys general and, uh, well, one Illinois sheriff in particular, got really, really angry at Craigslist uh, because some of the ads on the site were actually for uh, sex workers. And it became uh, common for uh, very concerned politicians to insist that uh, Craigslist and then later Backpage were dens of sex trafficking. Uh, after tremendous pressure and threats, Craig, uh, Craigslist eventually shut down its adult listing section, and uh, most of that traffic moved to Backpage. For years, uh, going back to Craigslist, we pointed out that if people were actually concerned about sex trafficking, these sites were actually 
kind of great for law enforcement. Uh, they made it much easier to actually find and arrest anyone who is actually involved in sex trafficking. They uh, cooperated with law enforcement and, and helped them find people. Uh, however, as the attacks on Backpage ramped up, everyone kept insisting that the site itself was aiding sex trafficking rather than uh, helping to stop it. Eventually, the Senate came out with a, a huge report uh, with a, after a long investigation that insisted that Backpage was actively promoting sex trafficking in a variety of different ways. Uh, and then this was partly used to pass FOSTA, a law that we've talked about a few times in the past, uh, with all of the backers of the law insisting that it was necessary to take down Backpage. And they uh, named Backpage in particular quite a few times. Of course, as we've detailed also, the feds actually shut down Backpage and arrested its founders before FOSTA even became law, though only by a few days. Uh, though uh, some of the supporters of FOSTA have now tried to rewrite history and pretend that FOSTA helped take the site down. Uh, Elizabeth Nolan Brown, who's an associate editor at Reason Magazine, has been covering the Backpage story uh, very in-depthly uh, for quite some time and recently got access to some fairly stunning documents from federal investigators, noting repeatedly that they had no case against Backpage, in part because the site and its executives had bent over backwards to help combat sex trafficking on the site, uh, including working very closely with law enforcement. Uh, Elizabeth, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me on. Uh, so we wanted to talk about this and, and what you found and, and uh, sort of what's happened with, with Backpage. Before we get to those documents, can we talk a little bit about the Senate report? Because I think that sort of really shifted um, some of the debate and sort of plays into what you found uh, in your article. So what was in that Senate report and what did it say? Yeah, the Senate report, which was the culmination of they, they had first started trying to subpoena um, Carl Farrar, who was the CEO in 2015, and he wouldn't come and he was held in contempt of uh, held in contempt for not showing up at the Senate. And they subpoenaed eventually and got all these documents from Backpage, all these um, internal documents. And they put out this, or, or that's what they said, at least, you know, that, that they had needed to do this to get all these internal documents. And then they put out this report that detailed in a lot of in a lot of detail how they were doing moderation at Backpage and how they filtered content and things like that. Um, it presented it in the worst possible light, which it just <laughs> made it seem like any sort of filtering was nefarious. It was kind of, you know, things like, oh, well, they said if you can't post an ad if you're underage. So therefore, they were trying to encourage people to lie about their age and say that they weren't underage. <laughs> and, you know, or, you know, they said you can't post an ad that says, you know, these certain words that implied bad things. So therefore, they were trying to coach people to use secret words around that. Right. And I mean, if that was the case, we, we don't apply that standard to anywhere else. All sorts of social media sites have terms of service and things like that. They explicitly try to prevent um, explicit illegal acts. They try to, you know, prevent various things with their own with their own code words that they ban and things. And it's not, you know, that that's not all a nefarious ploy to get illegal right. activity out of the site. But that's how the Senate sort of spun it with the back page. <laughs> you know, it's 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 funny, uh, and we'll get back into the details here. But it reminds me of there are a few other situations that I think. Uh, are a little bit similar. And, and one of them um, that always amazed me and I, I thought never got enough attention when it happened was um, when it came to like the whole like file sharing debate and all the early programs that were, were 
used for file sharing. One of the reasons why Napster um, got shut down, one of the, the specific things that the court called out was the fact that it had a search engine and therefore it was enabling the search to help find um, the infringing files. And that was like a key right. part of the evidence. Then later on, when when they went after um, another platform and uh, – because they all start to blend together. I think it was when it, with the the case against Mega Upload, part of the evidence used is that they don't have a search engine <laughs> and that therefore they were trying to hide the illegal activity so well, that, you know, it, so it was the same sort of thing. No, you were damned if you do, damned if you don't. No matter yeah. what you did, you, you were sort of, it was used as evidence against you. You see that in other ways in the Backpage case too, where like in, in both the Senate report and in, you know, various um, prosecutions of them, including the current federal prosecution, they'll say, okay, well, they used credit cards. They, you had to use a credit card to, to pay for an ad in the adult section. That was actually instituted at the uh, request of the National Associations right. of Attorneys General because they said then we can trace it. But now it says, oh, well, they were actually just trying to you know, boost their profits off of this thing. Right. And then when they got rid of the credit cards because the sheriff in Illinois, Sheriff Dart, sort of um, pressured credit card companies into stopping doing business with them, they had free ads. And then they said, well, that was a ploy to get more ads <laughs> because they were being free. And then later right. they did Bitcoin and same thing. And it's just like whatever they did, it's been spun as solely something, yeah, to increase the illegality when yeah. all, you know, and, common sense points otherwise. And, and if I remember correctly, it was the same thing with Craigslist, right? I mean, the, the oh, Craigs yeah, yeah. Cra Craigslist instituted uh, fees on adult ads because they didn't have fees on adult ads right. originally, right? And Craigslist, most of the ads are free. Um, and because of the attorneys general, they, and you know, pressuring them, they instituted credit card charging to try and be able to track and and uh, right. and monitor those ads and then the the attorneys the same attorneys general yeah. spun around and said oh now they're profiting off of this yeah it's yeah the same thing and in the senate report you know there's there's some stuff that it goes into detail from sort of 2008 up until about i think 2015 is when they sort of talk about their filtering processes and they try to blend it all together too. Whereas there are some things that were kind of like, okay, I don't know if that was the best way to go about handling it, but that was a lot of times in the early days in the 2010 to 2012 range. And then they had mm -hmm. subsequently, you know, stepped up their responses in response to both, you know, experience and to, you know, dealing with law enforcement, working with federal agencies, working with social services agencies, they'd actually been changing their response. So that was another thing you saw a lot of in the Senate report was them being like, oh my gosh, they did this horrible thing. And then not saying like, okay, well, that was in 2010 and they've totally changed it since, right. then, you know, because they realized it. So it's just, it was, yeah, so much presenting things in the worst light like that. Interesting. Interesting. And then, um, so let's get to these, these documents that, that you got yeah. your hands on. Um, <laughs> And well, should we talk a little bit about the background of of um, how these documents got out there before we talk about what's in them? Because that's an interesting story in its own right. Sure. Yeah. Um. um so so, so these are yeah. Go ahead. Part so yeah that you know um several of the former the founders of Backpage Michael Lacey and James Larkin and several of the former executives there you know are currently um facing criminal charges in a federal court in Arizona so that case is ongoing um they were arrested in April 2018 and the trial's not scheduled until May of 2020 mostly because the prosecution was pushing it back originally mm -hmm. um and as part of the discovery the uh apparently the prosecution sent a document to to Backpage's lawyers that they were not supposed to have sent. And then 
the defense said we would like to be able to use these documents in our defense since they kind of, uh, as we will get to in a second, are very, very good for the defense. And, um, you know, the prosecutors were like, oh, no, 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 you can't do that. And they got a judge and the judge actually agreed. The judge, that judge is actually since recused himself, but that judge agreed and said, no, you're right. You can't use these because they were sent to you accidentally. And even though they, you know, are very exculpatory evidence, you can't use them um, and they're sealed and they can't get out. Uh, but Wired published a couple paragraphs in the memos in June, and the prosecution tried to have um, Backpage defendants um, sanctioned because they said that they must have shared it, and they said they didn't, and, you know, a ton of people had access to these memos, and they were all out there. And anyways, that resulted in these memos being talked about in court, which is how they sort of... Right. Uh, you know, came came to more light and and got out and how the, how this all got out there about what had happened with these memos and how they got there because you, they talked about it in court, which was not sealed. Right. Do do you know do you know why the government should not have handed those documents over? I mean, I, I, maybe I don't know enough about sort of like how the rules of evidence work in a case like this, um, but it, it seems like the kind of thing that should be handed over during discovery. But I maybe I'm missing something. Do you do you know the details there? Yeah, because yeah, you have to you know hand over things that are that could be exculpatory. These, right. um, that's what you know. That's what their defense is arguing that they should. I think the prosecution is arguing. I'm not sure exactly. They're arguing some sort of technicalities, and I, I can't. I don't know okay. the specifics. People have. I've talked to lawyers who said maybe they were who, who aren't specific to the don't know the specifics of this case, but have said maybe mm-hmm. they're arguing that it's a work product, which oh. sort of falls in this exception because it wasn't used in a criminal trial or because it wasn't used in so I, I don't know it's something they, they have some sort of technical <laughs> okay. reason why yeah that was just a, 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 a bit of curiosity so anyway so so they got these documents they were quoted in a wired article um which which led to more fighting over them and 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 claims that that uh, the defendants leaked it, even though the defendants insist strongly that they did not. And then you got your hands on the documents yes. as well. Yes, and you can see, uh, and we, we published, along with our article, we published the documents, so they're up on reason.com. Anybody wants to look at them. Um, you can see right away, reading them, why the defense, why the prosecutors would not want them out there. Because, um, in short, they sort of contradict pretty much the entire narrative on Backpage, <laughs> both then and now. And they also sort of lay out all the reasons why they shouldn't be prosecuted based on evidence that we still, I mean, the evidence that they're still using in the case Mm. today. So they'd be like, here's all this evidence that the prosecution is now using. And back then, federal prosecutors said, actually, this isn't good and we shouldn't use this. Mm. Um, And back then, um, so these, I should, I guess, back up and say, these memos were written by um, U.S. attorneys in Washington State in 2012 and 2013. And apparently back then they had been sort of um, thinking about building a case. The first memo was written when they had done a little bit of investigating into Backpage, uh, but weren't sure yet. And so they were starting the case and they were talking about what they, you know, what they were maybe expecting to find and what they would have to do if they wanted to. Already the problems they were running into with making a case. By the time they wrote the subsequent memo in 2013, they had, um, it said, looked through like over 100,000 pages of internal documents. They had had grand jury subpoenas with six or seven people. They'd interviewed dozens of people associated with the site, employees, all sorts of things. And um, 
after that, that one is even more strong. I just want to read you just one paragraph from that. Sure. It said, at the outset of this investigation, it was anticipated that we would find evidence of candid discussions among Backpage principals about the use of the site for juvenile prostitution, which could be used as admissions of criminal conduct. It was also anticipated that we would find numerous instances where Backpage learned that a site user was a juvenile prostitute and callously continued to post advertisements to her. To date, the investigation has revealed neither. And then it sort of goes on to say, in fact, you know, they had a strong incentive to fight it um it goes into so much detail about all the things they were doing working with the national center for missing and exploited children working with attorneys general working with all of these people in order to stop ads for underage people from being posted and to then if they were posted to help bring people who are exploiting them to justice hmm um <laughs> right so it's it's basically the the other side of the uh of the senate report right for for everything yes. that the senate report is presented as problematic these investigators were like well actually um these seem to suggest that the, the company actually is a good actor yes um you know and some of the exact stuff and the exact sort of stuff that was later been spun against it like i said um the credit card stuff mm -hmm. stuff like their age verification procedures back then they said you know actually that's they have standard um verification for the industry which is you know we heard then from politicians for years like oh no they were uniquely horrible in in letting underage people post and you know the here's the, these prosecutors saying no that's not the case pretty much everything they have found has that these that they are um ernie allen actually who's used to be and was the longtime head of the national center for missing and exploited children mm -hmm. said unlike um any other site that has adult ads they have been the they have been helpful and cooperative and they have been you know just gotten above and beyond unlike no other sites had so they were actually the most useful at helping find missing people and you know bring bring exploiters of them to justice it's, mm. it's just really incredible in in how effusive even the the praise for their work is in this in these memos yeah. And and what's interesting, too, right, is that the Senate report covers the same exact time period effectively as these memos do, right? Yes, mostly. There is a little bit um, of subsequent stuff in both the Senate report and the prosecution. But for the most part, it's the same. It's the same time period and the same stuff, which is why what, earlier when I said, you know, the Senate report, they said they got all these documents um, and, and they did get some new documents. But so much of what they talk about in the Senate report is documents that clearly were the same ones they had back in um, 2012 and 2013 for this investigation, which I'm assuming maybe when they first subpoenaed those 100,000 documents or something, because you see in both the Senate report and now the criminal prosecution against them, the same, the same evidence. It's not like there is like a ton of new, you know, smoking right. guns or bombshells that have been, been like, oh, okay, well, we didn't know back then. It's them taking the same evidence that was in these memos that was spun in these memos as positives and now spinning it as negatives. Yeah. Which is um just a little scary. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's there you know, you can talk about how it's it's possible to spin anything against someone, but you know, um this seems really blatant. Uh yeah, and you know, the other thing that I found just sort of shocking reading it too is is there are some parts in the memos where they're like, well, okay, but actually we don't have this specific thing, this specific, you know, necessary element to make a money laundering charge, which is what the main charge against them right. um, now is. And and then you saw in the intervening years things like um, what Sheriff Dart did that I mentioned earlier with pressuring the credit cards against them, um, various things that like when Kamala Harris as Attorney General of, of California, when they ended up subpoenaing some records and they got various evidence. And it's like everything they did helped 
obtain this these elements that they needed for the charge but again not because it was like some wild new thing it was just like oh you'll need this you know because of the way certain you know evidentiary standards are 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 set up it's like you'll need this very specific thing and then you saw back you know politicians take actions against them in order to get them to do that thing right and then use that thing <laughs> to finalize this case that earlier had been lacking yeah which is really horrifying yeah. <laughs> in so many ways yeah that's that is that's very very bothersome i mean and um you know the the thing that that i had been pointing out from from way back when with craigslist and stuff is like we had all these examples of like um, law enforcement officials saying that that Craigslist in particular and then Backpage later were were actually really helpful in terms of like working with police and like when, you know, it, it, they became sort of a tool for law enforcement to track down actual trafficking uh, and, and who was actually responsible for stuff um, and and taking that away. Um, you know, and, and we've seen reports since the shutdown of Backpage that police have said that it's much, much harder for them to now track down traffickers. Um, and, you know, so there's a, something of a potentially open question as to whether or not that means trafficking has actually gone down, which doesn't appear to be the case, or uh, because now police just can't find it anymore. Um, yeah, because, you know, they've, they've done, I think, at least one and maybe several studies about the online ad market for adult mm -hmm. ads and they said there's been no decrease there right and we know both from other things and because it explicitly said so in these memos too that none of these other sites were actually as pro you know they weren't doing any more age verification so i think it's safe to say that as many ads as got through for minors on sites like backpage and craigslist are going to be getting through on these other less you know sort of uh mainstream sites right. and then we have from there exactly like you said you know they're not they're either not based in the u.s or they're just not cooperative with law enforcement um you know again in the memos they talk about how Backpage executives until up until the point when it became very clear that, that there was just no working with the attorneys general because they were just gonna screw them it was like um you know they were meeting with them every month they were meeting with the national center hmm. for missing exploited children they were they were just you know they were t testifying in court cases they were doing everything possible that when it did happen that someone had been exploited and, and through an ad that had been posted on Backpage. Like they were working with people. And yet, like you said, the other, these other sites aren't. I was just reading a thing today um, about how the Department of Justice and the FBI are now going after Rub yeah. Maps and Eros and some of the, the sites that sort of um, other sites, yeah. especially that, that are oriented towards Asian massage parlors. And um, they, they were just complaining. This the attorney was just, U.S. attorney was just complaining that like, you know, but they're based out of the United States, so they're not cooperating with us. And it's like, yeah, because <laughs> you shut down the people, you know, you went out of your way to portray the people that were helping you stop trafficking as the traffickers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I, I saw that, too. And, and it is pretty incredible where it's like, you know. Those sites are are they're accusing a certain guy of of running them, and he's not based in the U.S. And the sites seem to be registered in in all sorts of other countries, and they're complaining yeah. about yeah how they won't cooperate at all. It's like well yeah right you you had the one who was cooperating, and you're you're trying to put him in jail. You know? Right, exactly. <laughs> um, and. Um, Related to that, one of the things, and this came out a little bit in the in the Wired article, and I think a little bit in your article as well, was that like um, where this seems to have broken down was that you know Backpage was very helpful, but then law enforcement basically tried to extend their their mandate and was going um, beyond just sex trafficking, which where there there are sort of federal issues there, um, into just 
everyday prostitution, sex work kind of things. Um, and that's where Backpage was like, hey, like that's like we'll help you with the sex trafficking, but you know, standard prostitution is is a different category, um, not the same thing. And it, it seemed like some of the um, the focus changed when when Backpage pushed back on that point. Is that is that what you found? Or yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a thing that was in these memos that has made it then into every like subsequent indictment of Backpage um, in the Senate report and, and in the current charges, where they had a meeting with the Ernie Allen of of the Missing Children's Group and um, Michael Lacey, one of the founders of Backpage, had said something like, you know, Ernie Allen was pressuring them like, okay, well, you know, there's just going to be adult prostitution on your site and Lacey allegedly said well adult prostitution is none of your business because you know that's not the mandate of the missing children's group right. is, is not to fight adult prostitution and they used that the, the prosecutors used that as saying that it was an example that Lacey knew there was prostitution on the site and didn't care hmm. um you know I think to be you know to be honest like I think yes they knew that but but I you know if you ask them they'll say they 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 banned explicit offers for prostitution, right? I mean, right. like, they, they could not get away with saying that this is, you know... Sure, so, of course. So they yeah. ban explicit offers, and a lot of the sex work is legal. A lot, I mean, and this is another thing the prosecutors say in this memo. They were shocked to find that a lot of sex work is legal, and it's a very fine line. So it right. is very hard to tell, looking at ads, you know, is that for something that's a legal form of sex work, which could include porn and strippers and body work and dominatrixes and stuff, but just not this actual, you know, actual sexual, you know, penetration or, right. or conduct or whatever. So, um... You know, it's really hard to say. And and Lacey and Larkin, they were um, old Alt Weekly guys. They founded a, a paper in, in Phoenix in the 70s and then, you know, went on to own dozens, including the Village Voice for a while. They were, you know, big in the, in, in the Alt Weekly scene. They had always been um, publishing, for one, they'd always been publishing classified ads in the back of their, in the back, right. actual back pages of their newspapers, which had this, um, you know. And they were also big freedom of speech guys in, in all sorts of forms when it came to everything from uh, a law against publishing abortion ads back in the 70s to, you know, laws against where they could distribute, just all sorts of things. They've been sort of suing the government or getting sued by the government and <laughs> fighting free speech battles for decades before Backpage came along. So I think that helps explain too, you know, why they've been so willing to do this. Because I think some people have said like, well, why didn't they just give in to, you know, whatever dumb demands that even if they said that it was, you know, pointless and just symbolic to take the adult section off, even if everything else was going to be the same, why didn't they just do that when the government said so? And the answer is because that's that's just not who they are. They've been fighting (laughs) back for free speech grounds for, for decades. Yeah, yeah, there, there is, uh, yeah, you, you sort of get the um, impression of these two guys that they're, they're, uh, they're not ones to back down from a fight like this. Yes, <laughs> yes, is <laughs> the, the impression. And I mean, it's interesting too because some of this gets at another topic that we talk about all the time, and I know that you've done a lot of uh, writing and speaking on as well, which is the whole like section two thirty. Um, debate, right? I mean, yeah. the whole point of Section 230 is to deal with these situations and to say, like, you know, no platform is going to be able to know whether or not every post on their site, if it's an open platform for, for people to use, whether or not any of those break the law. And that gets exactly to the description that you just gave of, you know, a whole bunch of the the, the classified ads on Backpage were, were clearly legal and it's not easy. Um, in fact, it's effectively impossible to take 
tell just by looking at most of them whether or not they're they're advertising illegal activity or perfectly legal activity. Um, and so that's that was the exact kind of thing that Section 230 was put in place for because they said you can't put liability on the platform when it literally has no way of determining whether or not what is being advertised is legal or not. Instead, you should move that burden to the people who are actually engaged in the illegal or legal activity. Um, and so, you know, this seems like one of those situations which should be a classic case of why Section 230 is useful and important and yet yeah. has been turned into this like reason to attack section yeah. 230. Well, so yeah, uh, two two points on that is that, you know, people will yeah, use this as as a reason against section 230 and say section 230 lets backpage have, you know, got away with people having posted or younger underage girls having posted for themselves ads and then they were, you know, had sex for money and then so therefore Backpage is, is, you know, shouldn't be held responsible for that. But mm -hmm. the thing is, a lot of these cases, especially the, the really high profile ones that were like called before the Senate and things like that, if you look at the actual court records, the people that were actually the uh, adults who had been the, the pimps or the traffickers or whatever you want to call them, they were prosecuted and convicted are, and are in jail. And that mm. was because of help from Backpage turning over the records and things huh. on this site. So, you know, it's like they, they actually did help prosecute the actual people involved. Right. It's just that, you know, yes, the site couldn't be held responsible. Um, as you know, and you guys have written about a lot, that the attorney generals started in 2013, you know, were saying we need to get rid of Section 230 to deal with sex trafficking. And that's sort of been their big thing all along. And it's been very clear also that that's not the whole story and that sex trafficking just made a really good convenient yeah. way to test out if they could amend section 230 because as soon as that worked and as soon as FOSTA passed now the attorney generals are sending more letters saying okay well now we need to amend it to deal with revenge porn and terrorism and hate speech and gun violence and conservative bias and, and just you know anything under the sun opioids don't forget yeah. opioids, opioids. Yes. everything <laughs> yes. yeah so I think I mean just I think it's really interesting because when you ask why this whole war on Backpage um and FOSTA and everything happened there's a lot of different influences, like self-interested parties involved. And I think some people really did obviously just want to help sex trafficking victims and just are really ignorant and don't know the right way and didn't listen to sex workers themselves about it. But I think a lot of people did see this as a test case for getting rid of Section 230 or undermining Section 230. Yeah. No, I think that was evidence. And, and you know, certainly, and we had written a little bit about this, was that, like, um, behind the scenes there was there was lobbying on this done by um some of the entertainment industry's largest yeah. lobbyists who um really kind of saw this very much as like oh hey here's a chance to attack section 230 which they incorrectly and somewhat bizarrely blame for like why the internet companies are so successful and yeah. and you know that it's it's changed their own business models even though in a lot of cases it's helped them but that's that's a whole other podcast for another time yeah you also saw um facebook at the end sort of start coming around and, and opposing or, or sorry supporting fosta too yeah and then like lo and behold they've launched their own um right and personal section this year now you know so yeah, yeah, no, and that was that's actually a big deal. And we we actually spoke about it on, on another podcast recently, where it was like this whole idea of like, um, you know, because right after FOSTA passed, a, a bunch of dating sites actually did shut down because they were afraid that they might right. be violating the law. And then for Facebook, which did support the law, um, to to um, you know to to then launch a dating site, just yeah. it like 
you it's know, so brazen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I, I want to believe that it wasn't like this was not a sort of a calculated move, but like even just the appearance of it. Yeah. Um, well, it's it, so bad. Yeah. I guess, I mean, calculated or not, it shows the warning that people have that you guys have and we have and, you know, all sorts of civil liberties groups have about Section 230 in general, which is that like in the absence of it, it's not like there's going to be more sites available for free speech and things right. like that. Because, like, yeah, Facebook can maybe afford all the lawsuits that might come if it violates FOSTA. Without Section 230, these big groups like Facebook or whatever, they can afford to, I mean, they still might be taken down by it. But at least they'll be better positioned to be right. able to fight back, whereas anybody small, anybody upstart, anybody independent is going to, you know, have their ass kicked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the whole thing is is really bizarre. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting um, and... You know, I was happy to see the big Wired article from earlier this year and then happy yeah, to see your article really because, article. Um, yeah, the Wired article is really fantastic as well. And, and you know, a lot of people, um, you know, really sort of wrote off the Backpage case. I mean, I heard this directly um, in the lead up to Foster and even before this Backpage was taken down and, and um and the execs were arrested, though there was, you know, there was the earlier time where, where Kamala Harris and... Yeah. and uh, um, I forget who else. I think Paxton from Texas teamed up to to arrest them, and that didn't work so well. Um, but you know, in the lead up, like a lot of people in the tech industry, I heard you know people who were were sort of Section two hundred and thirty supporters, who effectively were sort of throwing Backpage under the bus. Yeah. And they're like, you know, they're bad actors. Like, let's let's uh, you know, we're fine with them being shut down, and and we're really focused on like you know, um, buying into the narrative that they're bad actors. Um, and yeah, I heard a lot of that and it just seems so short sighted, even if they did believe it. And I think some did not. I mean, some of the way people talked about it was even <laughs> almost like they're just like willing to let that one go because it was bad right. PR. Um, and even for the ones who did it just, yeah, it seems so short sighted because I mean, I guess if you really did believe that Backpage was horrible and maybe they just didn't look closely into it and just sort of bought all the political PR about it. But when you look and see what they were doing, it becomes clear that, you know, yeah, that they're not operating any differently than any of these other sites out there and that throwing them under the bus wasn't like it wasn't going to save you know they weren't going to just stop at back page then it's just it's ridiculous to think that they thought politicians were just gonna be like okay that site's done now we're gonna stop chipping away at internet freedom and speech like <laughs> right i mean i, I yeah I, I i think i think yes i i agree that it was very short-sighted i thought it was short-sighted at the time but like i can see that they had this feeling of and i've heard this directly from some people even that like basically um, the government was going to do something and we had to offer up something. Yeah. Um, and this seemed like the, the most reasonable thing to sort of offer up as a sacrificial lamb. You know, they're not too disturbed by it. The narrative can be, um, you know, can be spun. Right. Um, and then, you know, just, you know, the, the argument was basically like, if we didn't, if we sort of didn't turn around and, and turn on Backpage, then it would have been even worse. Though, in retrospect, it's looking like it's going to be even worse anyways. Right. So. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's funny too. Not funny. Sad, I guess. <laughs> that, but it shows exactly why they went after Backpage and why they, yeah. why they went after sex work in the first place. Because, you know, people were just sort of willing. A, people are often just sort of willing to throw sex worker rights under the bus. Or they're willing to just sort of believe the worst things as soon as you invoke sex. And just sort of lose all their critical thinking skills and just be like, yep, that's bad. Let's stop that. Like, and right. not even listen. And. Yeah, it's just in retrospect, also very clear. It's like, yeah, they knew they knew that people weren't going to bother investigating too much if they just invoked human trafficking and child sex trafficking and all these really horrible words. 
Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, and where do where do things stand with these documents? So the the judge has has said that they can't use these documents in the case. They yes, that is yeah, and they're still under seal. Um, technically for, for the people involved. So they can't, you know, the defense cannot use them in court. Is that, I mean, is that something that is appealable or is it being appealed? Yeah, they're still fighting back against it. Um, So I think, I think that it's not still certain where it is. Right. Um, And then as of now, the, the, like all the defendants are, uh, they're confined to not house arrest, but county arrest. They have GPS monitors and can't leave Mm. Maricopa County and, um, They've just been, I mean, it's been incredible to see, too, all the things the defense has been doing. They try, or sorry, the prosecution has been doing. They tried to um, bar the defense lawyers at first. Mm. Um, they tried to, they've, like, seized all their assets. There's just been, it's been a ridiculous Yeah, and there's, of... yeah, another topic that both of our sites talk about quite a bit, yeah. right? There's, like, the, the, the seizure, right? So they're, it's sort of, they're running effectively two different lawsuits at the same time, right? Because there's one about yeah. the, the seizing and forfeiture of all their stuff, um, and then the separate sort of criminal prosecution. And, and if I remember correctly, and I could be wrong, so I apologize. The, 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 the seizure and forfeiture case is not even in Arizona, right? That's somewhere else. Yeah, it's in California. And so when they've been trying to challenge these, you know, the seizures and forfeitures, which has included, you know, pretty much all of their assets and, and mm-hmm. including things, you know, like I said, they were newspaper people for decades. They right. you know, have a lot of money that was not tied up in Backpage, um, but they've been just seizing sort of indiscriminately. So they've been trying to challenge this. And when they go to then the court in California, it says like, well, the, the prosecution has argued like, well, they should actually just be arguing this in the criminal case. And then the California court has said, okay. And then they go to the criminal, the Arizona court and they say, okay, well, we want to challenge these seizures in this court. And then they say, well, actually, you know, the proper venue for that is California. So it's gone back and forth three or four times now. And they've been, I think it's finally been remanded because they appealed it and the, the appeals court said, you've got to, you've got to address this somehow. You can't just ba- keep bouncing it back. So it hasn't been addressed. Now, finally, at least they say they have to address it because for a while they just kept being like, nope. Um, you know, wow. when I, I interviewed um, Michael Lacey and James Larkin last summer, July of 2018, and, and mm-hmm. you know, that was what they said at the time because they were already dealing with the start of that and, and all of um, the forfeiture stuff. And they were saying, you know, we think that they just they want to force us into taking a plea deal, you know, first right. take their lawyers, take their money, just do all these things so that they don't actually have to go to trial. Right, right, right. Because, I mean, that and that is what the... What the government does quite a bit, yeah, especially the right. federal federal prosecutions. This is a a, a fairly typical um, weapon that they wield against yeah. people. Um, and um, yeah, yeah, this this touches on all sorts of topics that both of our sites cover all the I'm gonna, time. I, should, I just got to say too, I'm always I, I love Tech Dirt, and I'm always so excited because you guys are some of the only people who have sort of the same take on a lot of issues that right. we do at Reason. And if I don't have time to write about something and I know that I'm going to look at most sites and they're going to have covered it horribly, I know I can look <laughs> to you guys and you guys will have emphasized the due process or the First Amendment or the whatever, the right issues. So. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, no, same, same. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, it's, it is kind of funny. I certainly appreciate the, the work that you guys do and, uh, um, yeah, and the, the willingness to, to point out these these flaws where where much of the press seems to, um, yeah, just sort of go with the wrong narrative. <laughs> um, but you know, it's it is it is interesting and, and sort of uh, um, yeah, seeing how these things happen and, and and it's even fascinating just from the the nature of like how how a narrative uh, comes about, especially one like this. I mean, I'm, I'm sort yeah. of fascinated with the way that. 
um, you know, the, the script sort of got flipped against Backpage. Um, and, um, you know, and I had even written that when I saw the Senate report, I remember going through it and basically saying like each of these things like could be presented in a, in a light that shows right. that it was an attempt to stop sex trafficking and then to have it come out this way. And, and, and people got really mad at me about that. Oh, um, I mean, same. Yeah. And yeah. especially because there's a lot of stuff where it would say, okay, well, you know, they had this banned word and then they would strip that word from the ad and still let it run. Right. And they would give the worst examples of words like child rape or something. And <laughs> right. They would say sometimes words, but then you realize, okay, if you read closely, they were actually talking about a list of hundreds of words, many of which were only banned from the site at the request of groups like the National Association of Children's General and things who don't really know sex work, don't really know sort of the words that were used and would often just pick words that like new in town or something and decide that right. that meant child sex trafficking and then say, okay, you should ban that. So then Backpage would ban it or at least say you can't have that in your ad, but they'd still let the ad go up even if it, you know, they just take out the words new in town and then people would say, aha, that's them trying to, and it's just like, I mean, it's just a very much not understanding how sort of sex workers advertise to. Um, yeah. Just sort of reading, reading anything that invokes any, you know, aspect of sex as, as being obviously about the worst possible things. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, and again, like, you know, just the general challenges of content moderation and like, right. what are you supposed to do in that case? Right. right? You know, um, and again, yeah, this is again, like one of those things where I think in the Senate report it said like eventually by like 2012 or 13, then they did start just deleting ads that had the banned terms entirely. But again, yeah, they were trying out different things originally thinking maybe they didn't have to, you know, um, right. so this, and this isn't, yeah, this isn't territory that we'd been through before really. Yeah. They didn't have a, a good guide, I don't think, for how to handle this. Yeah. And, and to some extent, I mean, that's interesting too, right? I mean, in the, in the fact that, that how much sort of experimentation they went through right. um, that seemed to be very clearly designed to be like, well, we don't want sex trafficking. We should try and stop it and, and help, you know, prevent it. Um, and, but in order to do that, they had to experiment. And yet to have that be spun in the way it's been spun seems really, really troubling. Anyways, this is all really fascinating. Um, the case is, is, is still going on, as you said. There's, there's a bunch of different elements happening, and the actual trial is not scheduled till sometime next year. Um, but uh, So I'm sure there will be plenty more on this. But the, uh, uh, getting a hold and publishing those particular documents that really seem to undermine the, the government's case, uh, while also noting that they can't use them and that they're technically sealed, um, that's quite, quite uh, an astounding story. So... Um, I thought it was it was worth discussing. And I yes, appreciate you. Thank you for helping me share it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate you taking the time and 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 joining us. Um, and uh, we'll we'll have to have you back on again in the future. I'm sure there'll be many more topics that that uh, that we can talk about. Many more internet civil liberties abuses to <laughs> yes. discuss going forward. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. It'd be nice if you know we could discuss you know not horrible situations <laughs> but but those are those are the uh the stories so <laughs> um anyways again uh, thank you for taking the time and um thanks to everyone for listening uh for taking the time as well and we'll be back next week